questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. actually seeing is the systematic implementation of the fall of the republic and the rise of the corporation of the United States. Every major event is, is a step in the ladder to achieve that end. COVID is just another rung in the ladder, which is why there's a deliberate mixing of all the wordplay, right? I mean, we should stop calling it, you know, quarantine. That's a term designated for people that are verified sick. This is a house arrest mandated by the state. You should stop calling it, you know, social distancing. There's nothing social about forced isolation. Uh, we should stop saying safer at home when millions of Americans don't have basic necessities adequate to fit their needs. It assumes that everybody's home is equally as safe as the people that are making the statements. We should stop saying, you know, uh, this is for the greater good, right? When you close the economy, killing millions of businesses that families have worked generations to establish, that's anything but good. We should stop saying... This is the new normal. That's just blatant mind control drivel. There's nothing normal about forced isolation, you know, treating your neighbor like they have the plague, breathing your own bodily waste, wearing masks, living in constant fear of contamination. That's normal. I mean, after all, if the virus is so deadly, why hasn't it wiped out the homeless who don't social distance, wash themselves regularly, let alone, you know, live in or have access to a sterile environment? Last year, 1.5 million people died of tuberculosis. Why were you not wearing a mask during the tuberculosis pandemic? You were endangering, you know, public health and safety along with billions of other uh, people around the globe. So why didn't you wear a mask? I'll tell you why. Because the mainstream media didn't tell you to wear a mask. <laughs> right? And so because, because though 1.5 million people died from tuberculosis, there was no tuberculosis pandemic any more than there's a coronavirus pandemic. What you're really participating in is a beta test for AI systems and facial recognition. See, these cameras work best when people are, you know, distance apart. Now that they're, now they're actually testing through machine learning how to recognize, you know, a face that's partially covered. It's also a way to easily determine who's compliant and who's not. Who does the propaganda work on? and who it doesn't now get this you know there there's some ironies that are here right a, a society that kills millions of babies a year for convenience has shut itself down to prevent adults from dying people that on the one hand slaughter babies in the womb by the millions are now preaching uh, to the masses about the the sanctity of human life it's double speak double talk it's the, two, it's the two doctrine policy, one for the initiated, one for the uninitiated, one for the inner circle, another for the masses. It's like saying, you know, if I violate the stay at home order, I can be arrested, but you're letting convicted criminals out of prison so they don't get coronavirus. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. If there's a real pandemic, does it require, you know, uh, faulty virus models, rigged test results, 81% false positives, inaccurate news reporting, stage hospital overruns, manipulated death certificates? Nope. You know, when the government shuts down you know, millions of small businesses but doesn't lay off any government employees, it's not about the health. Hmm? When the state bans dentists from practicing but deems it necessary for abortion clinics to stay open, it's not about your health. When the, the, the state prevents you from buying seeds for your garden, but allows you to purchase lottery tickets, it's not about your health. An institution that you know has the ability to destroy all of Earth through you know alleged nuclear warfare should not regulate personal self-defense. You know, an institution that's caught trafficking drugs shouldn't be able to regulate plants. An institution that's racked up $23 trillion prior to coronavirus uh, in debt shouldn't be allowed to manage the retirement fund. Hmm? An institution that was caught spreading STDs should not be allowed to run health care. If people are really concerned about public health and safety, you know, in general, but, you know, they don't care if people, you know... Um, eat garbage, drink poison, smoke cancer, and take prescription drugs, but think that 
toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and masks are going to protect them from the boogeyman coronavirus. You know, this is a special kind of stupid that I, I can't address here. You should ask yourself uh, some, a couple basic questions. When did you consent from, you know, you creating a government to serve you to you serving the government ruling over you? If you want to know, you know, who's in charge, just think about who you can and can't criticize. Ayn Rand wrote this almost 60 years ago. It's frightening how accurate the statement is today. Quote, when you see that trading is done, not by consent, but by compulsion, when you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing, when you see that money is flowing to those who deal, not in goods, but in favors, when you see that men get richer by graft and by pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you, when you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. Lenin and Stalin built the Soviet Union. Mao built communist China. The Kims terrorized North Korea. The Castros dominated Cuba. Communism is deadly. Communists murdered over 100 million people and enslaved over a billion. Are we experiencing a socialist psyop? You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabricus. Celeste Solom has worked as a contractor for Homeland Security and FEMA. Her training and activations include the infamous day of 9-11, flood and earthquake operations, mass casualty exercises, and numerous other operations. Celeste is the author of two books, Electromagnetic Radiation Protection Solutions and Seven Thunders Revealed. Her website is shepherdshearts.life, and she joins us directly from Condon, Montana. Hello, Celeste, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic, especially having you on today. And also, for the record, and I usually don't like to mention these details, but the most stressful aspect of doing what I do is when a guest does not show up for an interview. First, because you never know if something happened to them. That's my first concern. And second, because they simply forgot or just decided to cancel at the last minute, which is what seems to be what happened with today's guest, even though I prepared for two days. So, folks, if you will be coming to Veritas, please know we invest time and resources and take everything seriously. I will implement new conditions in order to mitigate this from happening. But that said, I just called Celeste and she rose to the occasion. We haven't spoken since the last time. Let me begin by saying that I know that you you went to the hospital recently. Something happened. I really don't know all the details, but why don't you tell the audience what you went through? So basically, a couple things were going on. You know, I kind of had like a stomach bug that didn't go away. And I'm not one of these people that goes to the doctor, you know, at the drop of a hat. And so I just you know, I bucked up and uh, just lived with it. And then w one morning, I started to vomit and I wasn't keeping anything down. And actually, I went to the hospital, I made it ha par part way. And um, I had to call an ambulance um, and to take me the rest of the way. 
And the, the doctor in the ER kind of wanted to admit me, but kind of was, quite, you know, not really sure. And, you know, who wants to be in the hospital these days? It's like the last place you want to be. So I, I opted because they, you know, they were kind of wishy-washy. I figured I can treat myself better at home. And so I came home and then I was really sick the next day. I mean, really sick. And I didn't. I knew I couldn't drive, so I did call an ambulance, went to the hospital. I was admitted where I stayed there a week, had many different tests. And basically, um, they really couldn't get to the bottom of it or they did not share uh, their findings with me. So when I got out of the hospital, um, I guess I need to pop, uh, uh, back up a little bit about two weeks before this um, someone popped out of the blue and they were local. They said they wanted to learn how to do organic farming. And um, if I would train them, you know, they would do some labor and and I would give them a part of my crop. And that sounded win-win to me. So anyway, I didn't think much of it, except that the the person took meticulous notes, more like an engineer rather than somebody that was interested in organic farming. But most many people are learning the benefits of uh, good health and good eating. So, you know, I, it, I just kind of made a mental note and that was it. Well, the day that the ambulance ca- came, the man comes to the door and he grabs my car keys and he come, he says, I'm coming with you to the, to the hospital. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know you. He goes, I want to be your advocate. And it's like, uh, no, I don't even really know you. And so he he had my keys. And so when I did get home from the hospital, he had my keys. And I tried several times to call him, no answer. And so I had to break into my house, which is not an easy task to do. And I, I had two friends with me that actually drove me from the hospital home because it's a long drive and they must have asked me something about my interview schedule. And so I went to get my calendar where I keep it and it was gone. And one thing I fretted about in the hospital is everything happened so fast that I left my computer on, you know, you just don't, when you're that sick, you just don't uh, turn your computer off and stuff like that. So I, I looked over and my computer was gone. Um, the one that is in my bedroom and, you know, that I check emails on and that kind of stuff. And then, so I went out and I looked and all my broadcasting computers were gone. And to make a long story short, um, it was this person and, uh, I did call the sheriff. So there is a sheriff report on it. And, um, he said it was only reasonable for him to take it. And and so he feigned like he was going out to the car to get my computers. And um, the firefighter that drove me home, um, he, he, the guy jumps in his car and he starts leaving the driveway, you know, out the driveway. Well, the firefighter decides to follow him and it ended up being a high speed chase. And finally, the firefighter dropped back because he said somebody was going to get killed. Um, so he decided it wasn't worth it. And so we just let it be with the sheriff. So then he come. Well, the sheriff is here. He comes back and then he brings the equipment in a box. And he he not only took my computer, but he took like my personal address books, my interview calendar um, from then after that, um, there was a concern of what did he do with it because he was seeking information on me. No jewelry, um, and, no money taken, just your computers? Uh, just personal data. Uh-huh. And, and not only my computers, but personal address books, my calendar with producers' names, phone numbers, dates that I did interviews. When was this? At, when? In May. In May. In May. We did our interview in mid-April. Yes, Yes. So your name would have been on there on my calendar. And usually I put 
a phone number, you know, in case there's an emergency that comes up or technical difficulties, which we all experience. And so um, shortly after that, producers started getting calls um, saying things that I was um, in a cult um, and not, you know, don't trust me, you know, this type of a thing. And then about, oh, I don't remember exactly when the World Economic Forum, remember I broke that story on the World Economic Forum plan. Um, So they took and did a direct hit piece on me, and I did not respond to that particular one. But recently, um, within the last couple weeks, uh, Reuters did a hit piece, and they said that I never worked for FEMA and everything I say is a lie, um, that the government is not harvesting blood, even though it says in the Federal Register, which is where I got the information. Uh, so I did do a video and responded to that, and it's making the rounds right now. Uh, but it's been interesting. Um, I have a Patreon community, and that was infiltrated by artificial intelligence. And you think that you're talking with a real person. And I was actually dialoguing with a chat bot. And I'm taking a series of military courses on the information warfare. And that's the only reason that I, all of a sudden in the middle of this dialogue, I go, I'm not talking to a human. And it was coming so fast at me the conversation, I knew it wasn't human, but then the language, there were certain things like, um, I don't understand, teach me. Um, That's a chat bot. And so if you ever encounter that, um, that's what that is. So it's been a kind of an interesting couple months. Okay. Yes, it recorded. For some reason, I was getting a signal here saying that it was stopping and they just didn't want to take any chances and you kept going and then we had to repeat again. Okay, so let's get back. Five, four, three, two, one. So this happened in May. You think you were poisoned, Celeste? Yeah, so basically what the hospital was looking for was a form of ricin. And I also knew that there was a bio because all my plants, these are established trees that I've had for 15 years. And there were two uh, bioweapons that were released from Wuhan. One of them is the novel coronavirus. And the other one was something known as the plant destroyer. Both of those um, bugs were in the patients in Wuhan. And my plants had the signature. And I, I lost, I have a, a food forest, and I lost all but two of the plants. And then it, there was a direct energy weapon. And how would I know that? Because one of the reasons was, um, I won't go into the medical, uh, but let's just say the, when I got out of the hospital the next day, I looked and all the clocks in my house had stopped um, at the exact moment that, that I was going down uh, physically. So that is a signature of a direct energy weapon. What do you think they were trying to accomplish? You know, it's hard. It's hard to know. Uh, were they just trying to do a shot over the bow and say back off? Were they um, trying to do something more mischievous? I was pretty sick, um, but um, you know, I—it's not my time yet. I st- there's things still that I need to do. I believe here, and so I'm here. So they were unsuccessful if if uh, the end was meant. And they were trying to say, some people out there, that you were not really part of FEMA. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. What do you um, tell them? So basically, um, I have documentation that I was there. And of course, I did Y2K and I did 9-11. I did Hurricane Katrina. I've been involved in so many um, live thing, you know, activations and exercises, extensive training. Um, it's really hard to uh, dismiss, you know, 
I, they actually had me under my married name. Um, they, they did the article on my married name. And of course, when I worked for FEMA, I was not married, um, at that time. So to the, to, to David. So, so a lot of things have happened since we last spoke in April. Yes. Have yes. you been able to come to your own conclusions? And we, we said at the beginning, psychological, I mean, sorry, socialist. It's obviously a psychological operation, but socialist psyop. Is this what we're experiencing? And I'm not talking about COVID-19 only, but I'm also talking about the riots, the race baiting, the race wars, the what almost looks like a possible civil war. What do you see? So it's been, it's been interesting because I am taking this military um, information warfare uh, series and I'm learning all sorts of things in it. There is one doctor I did do a, a video. People can look it up on YouTube. It's doc about Dr. Evil. And I mean, he looks just like the guy in Austin Powers complete with a big scar down his the side of his face. And he's talking about neuroweapons, and he is a highly placed person, um, not only in the medical field, but in policy. And he is, he's a, I guess, an, I'm not sure if he's a neurologist, um, but he develops neuroweapons. And so the video that I did, uh, the, one, the one that I was really alarmed at, I actually took excerpts um, of him, at what he was actually saying. So I let folks listen to what he said in his own words, because it's unbelievable. Um, he, And then, you know, as I'm taking this information warfare class, I'm realizing that this is a bigger, um, it's a bigger deal like coronavirus is part of it like you said and the riots um, what people were doused with was a low-grade chemical and are you familiar with those um, uh, government officials that got sick down in Cuba absolutely we can talk about that if you'd like yes so Dr. Evil was actually involved in that. When you say Dr. Um, Evil, who are you? What's the name? It's not Dr. James Giordano, is it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I I watched a, a briefing that he was doing on that. Of course, he beat around the bush. He did not come out and say exactly um, that it was the people, the government officials in Cuba, but that it was a beta test and that um, it would, it, those were neuroweapons that they were experimenting with on those um, politicians or government officials. But why and was so it done? I don't mean to interrupt you, but why was it done? Because obviously at that time, the relationship between the United States and Cuba was throwing a little bit. And, you know, people know what my standing is this. I mean, Cuba needs to do just all the casters need to just go to hell. But at that time, the relationship was throwing. And all of a sudden, we get these diplomats after the Trump administration won. And all of a sudden, it just froze up again. Was this done on purpose to, to make sure that we do not engage with Cuba? I don't think that it, at least from the briefing that I saw, it it didn't strike me as that was it. it more that it was a beta test for something that was bigger that was coming. But they blamed and Cuba well, at first. They blamed Cuba. Right. Oh, yes, definitely. There's geopolitical ramifications of these things, just like China is getting there's geopolitical um, ramifications of this whole, whole Wuhan thing happening in China, even though it's when I go to nextstrain.org, you can see different strains of the coronavirus um, in different locations. And the one from the United States did not start in Washington. It actually, it looks like it be began um, in, at the bioweapon facility, the new one in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, the one that is going to replace Plum Island. <sighs> So almost and, like what happened with the Spanish flu, everybody thinks of, of Spain, but it actually came from Fort Detrick or somewhere in the United States. Yes, yes. And that also happened with um, 
the African swine flu. Um, and I covered this like in the uh, like t early 2000s. Some uh, uh, scientists came to Plum Island and they did some research and they took some African swine flu back and to, um, oh, what was it? I can't remember if it was Uzbekistan. Um, it was one of the Stan countries. And then there was this big um, conflagration between Russia and I think it was Uzbekistan. Anyway, they, uh, they got in a war and the pigs got out and then from there it spread. But so the, it, it was, the origin of that African swine flu was Plum Island. Yep, Uzbekistan. It went to Uruguay, Uzbekistan, Vanuatu, Venezuela, and a few other places. But yes, and that it caused some uh, problems between Russia and Uzbekistan. Uh, this is when, uh, 2007, wasn't it? Yeah, about then. Right. Yeah, it was about then. Well, how has your opinion of what's happening evolved from the last time we spoke in April? So I am now seeing, I, I st I'm like on the cusp. I, you know, I've been taking a lot of courses like over time and trying to connect the dots. And it really looks like that there is this socialist agenda. There are a lot of psyops going on from gaslighting. I discovered that gaslighting is part of what is being foisted onto the American people, playing tricks on certain people, uh, certain people that, you know, just the average American getting gaslighted. Define uh, that. For the people who might not know what gaslighting means, because I know that is a term that a lot of people are using, but people don't ask what it means. So gaslighting is a psychological operation. It's, it's kind of a, a very controlling person. And they can do some, they get you to do certain things um, in a loving way. And then if you don't do them, it, and, but you realize in your subconscious that something's not right, um, you're being controlled or manipulated. And so you question them and they say, oh, no, no, you know, I'm fine. And then if it progresses and it really can get quite violent into a love, hate, type of a relationship. It's very sick. Um, a lot of domestic abuse, believe it or not, uses gaslighting techniques. Um, so that was one of only one of many of the psyops. I'm trying to think of some of the others. I, um, Like I said, I'm just collecting the dots right now to tie in the psychological operations, the socialist part, and what we're seeing are these emerging diseases coming out uh, because they are neural weapons and um, they, are, they have payloads. They have certain things that they want us to do. As a matter of fact, there was, um, so last week in a peer review journal, don't ask me the journal because I read tons of them. They, they were saying that the vaccine is an artificial construct. So they are going to release four vaccinations and that they are artificial constructs. And so you go, okay, what is an artificial construct? It is something that really isn't real. Yes, there is going to be a vaccine, but it's not even a placebo. It is done to change people's behavior. So that is the whole purpose of the vaccine is part of this big psychological operation that the World Economic Forum released to get us to change our behavior, to change um, the health system, to change the, you know, employment, to change the financial institutions, to change manufacturing, uh, consumerism, uh, all these different things. What happened with the coronavirus, what we saw was the whole world was disrupted, it came to a stop. And now as it's getting started, um, you're seeing implementation and in injection of the global system that they've always wanted. And different, it's not happening, it's happening in a patchwork style. 
it's so it's not like the whole world is getting everything at one time. So the United States might get something, uh, Sweden might get something else. And so they're injecting it at different places. And I believe that that's deliberate um, to cause confusion and people that are watching it. Um, it is difficult to monitor all these different places. And if you go, oh, if it's not happening to you, then maybe it's not this big giant uh, plan that's being unrolled, but it, it really is. In my opinion, just basically what I've been trying to gather from the past few months in, in my conversation with other doctors like uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, it's to mutate man, post-human, transhumanism, singularity. Could this Gates vaccine push, which according to, again, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, will render us genetically modified humans? since it will reprogram our genetic code like a, a new computer. Imagine if our body is a computer, this is almost like they're putting a new operating system that will take control of our immune system. Yes, um, it is doing that. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of peer studies doing just that, you know, each from a different direction, from proteins to um, putting in these hybrid there it's half biological and half robotic um, nanoparticles into our bodies um, that is part of the the neural weapons that have the payloads and they do different missions in our body um, and we can't keep them out and a mask is not going to keep out these nanoparticles we're getting it in our air we're getting it in our water we're getting it in our food and yes, that's the bottom line is a post-human uh, race that they can control. And it's my belief that it is it is to kill us, basically, or to depopulate the, the earth. Um, because they really don't want humans around anymore, except for a few uh, privileged, let's just say, humans. I think... Their holy grail of the medical industry. Because if you look at wars in the past couple of years, we haven't seen that much more involvement since Trump took over. I mean, I remember when Obama came along, he said, no more wars, blah, blah, blah. Well, he dropped more bombs than anybody else. And I'm not, not here to be political. But when it comes to, to these industries that make so much money, now we have who's in charge right now? Forget about the war on terror. Now we're talking about the health industry multi-trillion dollar industry. We have all these companies getting together. One of them, I forgot the name, $1.6 billion given by the government to develop the vaccine. When there are other cures that are coming out and doctors, you know, talking about the success that they are having all over the world. And what happens? YouTube comes and Facebook, they just shut down those uh, videos. But these are doctors talking about their success stories. These are not quacks. Why do you think this is a threat to the establishment, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, they want – when the World Economic Forum laid out their plan and then I went over to – there's a virology – I don't know if it's an organization. It's in, in international. Anyway, they named the, the virus, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. They said that there was going to be like 90% morbidity, and morbidity means to make people sick. And that in, is in addition to, this, to um, the mortality, which is killing people. And so basically they knew that the population <clears throat> with the coronavirus and these other ones that they're letting loose – would disable the population so they would not be able to resist what was coming because they would be sick, they would be dependent upon the medical system, um, they would turn to the medical system. I was just did a Q&A last night and there was a lady that needed surgery and they forced her to get like a COVID test. And um, it's really sad what they're doing and pretty soon you are not going to be allowed out of your house to go to work, to get food, uh, to interact with society in any way unless you take this vaccine that's coming. 
And I, I remember what I was going to say. I did, didn't finish my last statement regarding what they're trying to accomplish in the medical industry. Their holy grail is our immune system. It's yes. almost, if you look at the news, it's almost as if they're trying to convince everybody that you do not have an immune system, that you do not have to take supplements, that you do not have to exercise, you don't have to. If they said, listen, raise your vibrations, eat healthy, uh, take supplements, be out in the sun, exercise, not once do you hear that from the mainstream media. And you wonder why. Because they want to take control of your immune system. How? With this vaccine, there's nanotechnology. They go inside and they basically are changing your genetic code composition so that they can turn it on and off as they please from long distance. And I hate to say this because a lot of people say, you know, stop talking about 5G. That's not proven. Well, I'm going to continue talking about 5G. Because if you look at what the future holds, and if you look at all these books that were written since the 1920s and 30s, talking about a future in which we will be controlled by a an artificial intelligence. If you have this 5G, and they have a section of, of like take Santa Rosa in uh, or Paradise, California. Let's say you have a, a place there where people are subversive to the government. All you need to do is turn on a switch and voila. But now you put 5G and you make him mad, you make him happy. You actually control their emotions. Do you think taking control of our immune system is their goal? Absolutely. And to give some backstory on what you just said is so the military and one of my favorite resources for it is the Air Force dosimetry handbook. And if you can get an older one, there are some online. Uh, The newer ones are more sanitized. But if you can kind of get like a 1981, uh, these are free. You just look up U.S. Air Force dosimetry handbook. Um, you can see that they were experimenting with different organs, um, your emotions, how to make people's skin burn, how to blow up a heart, you know, what to do with the kidneys. And it goes down by frequency and by organ uh, throughout the whole body. It's, it's a significant document. It's maybe, I don't know, six or 900 pages of what frequencies can do to different parts of the body, including the immune system. I am looking at it right now. And, you know, you're just, you're so immersed in a lot of this information. I don't know how you can absorb all of this. So is this, can we say that all this that's coming out was used militarily before, and now it's being used against their own population? Yes, I think the first time that the average person saw or heard of it was during the Iraqi war when it first, do you remember the instance when the Iraqis went running from the American military saying that their skin was on fire? That was, that was frequency. That is the power of frequency. And now it's being used in riot control. Um, They use different ones. Uh, law enforcement agencies to disperse crowds. Uh, they don't always need pepper spray anymore. They can just turn on these frequency, um, different frequencies, and the people will disperse. I remember that time, February 25th through the 27th, 1991, the highway of death. This happened also during the time of what you're saying, you know, the Iraqi soldiers, you know, just uh, surrendering to the to the people saying, I'm burning, I'm burning. But then you saw that highway of death, where people were just burned to a crisp. And then you hear about the depleted uranium bullets that were used during that time that gave cancer to a lot of the troops, not only to them, but to their wives, to their progeny. And this was discussed in previous interviews, which, by the way, cost our channel to almost be shut down from YouTube, because the lawsuits were going to be in the millions, billions and all this information was stored in, guess where? You probably know this, the Alfred P. Mora building in Oklahoma City. And what happened to that building? Dustified. Yes. And then we yes. get to 9-11. What did we have in building seven? A lot of information too. So these people, you know, how is it that they destroy this physical data and this is not in different databases? Why are they keeping this in paper and not in different databases throughout the world? 
it probably is in different databases, but they are buried that the average person would not have access. I know when I was working where I worked, um, I had to put on each page that I did not subject to public disclosure, public disclosure, uh, you know, the Freedom of Information Act. So, and I had to do that on each page. Let's go back to the immune system, because I think this is the biggest thing that, again, they're trying to convince everybody that you don't have an immune system and it's not capable of withstanding COVID. And if you look at the number of deaths, if you really, really do your research, you'll find out that the majority of the people, probably more than 99%, have died with COVID, but not from COVID. So if that's right. the case, this virus is not as strong as they're telling us. And as you mentioned earlier on, if I remember correctly, there are different versions of this thing. And I don't even want to call it a virus because some people are writing to me, including a, a very reputable vascular surgeon from South Florida, the wife you're listening to me because you are one of our members. She left a message saying, my husband, and I don't think that he wants to come, you know, go out public because he would be in trouble right now, but there's thrombosis taking place. What you need is anticoagulants and antibiotics. This is why the ventilators are killing people. What is it, 89% chance of dying if you are intubated? So if this is the case, and so many doctors are raising the alarm, and they're scared of losing their license, they're scared of being shunned by their by the ship, sheeple in their own industry who are saying, no, Fauci said this or that, you need to follow that protocol. Why is it that so many people are raising the alarm, but nobody's listening? It's it, For the average person, it's very complicated. I, the, me, the medical professor professionals know. Um, when I was in the hospital, I was asking a lot of questions. And it it was the belief of the people that worked in the hospital when I was in that coronavirus actually was earlier than what was reported, you know, to all of us, um, that they were seeing symptomatic people beforehand. Um, I believe that I just in my studying and what I'm seeing in the me medical literature right now is what was perceived to be pneumonia is actually a swarming of these nanoparticles in the lungs um, that is causing the clotting um, issue, um, which is totally different than a viral pneumonia. It was a swarm of nanoparticles a mass that, you know, that became a mass in, in the lungs. I know a lot of people who told me back in November, December, before the name coronavirus came along, and they were all displaying the same, something that feels like pneumonia. And, oh, I'm sick, I feel like this and that. And now they're telling me, I think I may have had COVID back then, before it was even, you know, re allegedly released from Wuhan, right? But the yes. question is, if they got this back in November, say, how was this deployed? All I can say is, so the research that I've done, it could be deployed through the air. Um, it can go through the eyes, the nose, touching and, and fluids, you know. Um, it, I believe it is a weaponized virus and the reason that we did not see a high lethality is I look at it uh, it's kind of a bad analogy but I, it's the only one I can think of like a diamond or a gem that's cut that has different facets so coronavirus is only one facet of this virus you know there's MERS and there's SARS and there's HIV there's like seven different animals And if you go to nextstrain.org, you can see the different animals. And I think that so they did the facet that the coronavirus facet. Um, but the next time it might be the HIV facet. Um, and a lot of people have been suspecting that geoengineering, um, there have been some times when blood was found from the aerosols from the geoengineering operation. So we've expected that 
on the horizon, you know, for some time. And then that would cause a higher lethality or make people more, you know, very dependent because people with HIV are very dependent on the medical system. Do you think these were released at the same time? You mentioned MERS, which is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. Then we have SARS and we have others that have appeared in different places around the world. But then again, what many people question, and I do, you look at Africa, you look at India, you know, two big places. One is a continent, one is a big country with the same population of China. They hardly have any, the death rate is ridiculously low. And the number of cases is low as well. And you start wondering why. One shares a border with China. Uh, there's poverty there also. But they don't tell you that those countries give their population hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic to mitigate COVID-19. So if this is the case, why do we keep saying hydroxychloroquine is bad? Because Trump said it, it, was, it was something promising. Well, I have a little bit of a insight on that particular uh, medication. Um, so many years ago, um, my doctor put me on it for joint joint issues. And I went to my eye doctor. I mean, you're talking like 30 years ago. And she, my eye doctor was a woman and she freaked. She said, and it was hydroxychloroquine. And she said, do you understand that even one dose 30 years later can cause you to go utterly blind. Um, and she goes, there's no way to tell, you know, if you will or not, but the chances of with every dose that you take, uh, your chance of complete blindness is, is very high. So yes, you may um, not, you may fight off uh, the coronavirus, but is it worth it? Because at some point, it could be instantaneous or it could be 30 years down the road, you could go blind. Some people might say, I'd rather go blind than die. But again, that's just a personal choice. And then right. you have other other alternatives. And I can't even say the name, but, you know, M, M, and the letter that comes after the R, uh, because, you know, YouTube uses these names and immediately shuts you down. Right. But there's a doctor, a Swiss doctor, Dr. Kalker, Andreas Kalker, uh, who speaks multiple languages. I watched a, a three-hour interview a couple of days ago. Incredible man who has tried and tested this with several people all over the world successfully 100% of the time. And then I hear another one who use, who's using, I forgot the actual term, budutasin. It's, a, it's an inhaler. And he's tried it with people. One lady who had two types of cancer a month ago was just under chemotherapy and radiation and uh, the daughter developed COVID-19 and she all of a sudden developed a fever for a week, couldn't breathe. And that doctor went to her house. Usually doctors don't do that anymore, but he went there and used the inhaler with her. And in less than a couple of hours, the fever broke for the first time. This is on a Friday. On Monday, she was back to work on an eight-hour shift, even with cancer. So all these doctors are speaking out and all they do is shut down those videos even if you go to my Facebook account, yesterday I posted one of those videos, gone. Facebook took it down. YouTube took it down. So we are fighting a fight. We think of World War III as you know, a fight between countries. This is a war against the people from all over the world. This is not happening in the United States. Look at the lockdowns that are happening in other places in, you know, elsewhere, right? Absolutely. I know I did uh, when the coronavirus first came out. I did uh, antiviral because I worked in environmental medicine. And so we had this absolutely fabulous antiviral protocol. And if you take that protocol the first time you're symptomatic, like if you've got a little tiny scratchy throat, if you know your nose is a little burning and it's not allergies, I'm talking if you think you're getting a virus, um, you take the, the protocol and I tell you what, I've only had three viruses, and I actually do believe I did in February was coming down with coronavirus. I could tell that it was a virus that was different than other viruses, but I took the protocol, and within three days, I was fine. Yes. So what the protocol includes is, can I say it on air? 
By the way, I said be- uh, I said something different. The name is Budesonide, B-U-D-E-S-O-N-I-D-E. But please tell us, yes. So the, the, this is an herbal protocol. And so you just use vitamin C and vitamin A. And vitamin A is bioaccumulative, so you can only take it for five days. Uh, vitamin D, lysine, and olive leaf extract. And olive leaf extract um, addresses viruses, bacteria, and funguses. So it doesn't matter what you have. Um, and you should always take it with a um, probiotic because um, it doesn't distinguish between good bacteria and bad bacteria. Just like an but antibiotic. What well, it's it, it's a natural antibiotic, yeah. olive leaf extract, yes. But YouTube took it right down, so I had to put it over on Brighteon. And by the way, we are just to, for the record, the FDA disclaimer: we are not giving any medical advice. If you need medical advice. Seek out professional advice from your medical practitioner. I have to say that because you never know how they can, can come after you. This is your opinion and this is your, your non-professional opinion and what you are using successfully. Um, we're saying this for entertainment purposes only. I have to say yes. that. So, yes, medical entertainment. Correct, correct. So what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, we had the virus. It went down. All of a sudden, the next uh, – the next – level of this video game was the riots with George Floyd's quote-unquote death. Then that stopped, and now we have the second wave. What's what's next in this quote-unquote reality TV show we're experiencing? So the, we're going to hear the increasing rhetoric about the second wave. Uh, from what I have seen, the vaccine will be released in October, and it was really interesting. This was another one that was really, I mean, Sometimes you just can't believe what you're seeing in these peer-reviewed journals. But uh, they said that they were going to be calling upon the stars. And so I found out that there is going to be a particular alignment of planets and stars at the time that they release um, the coronavirus vaccine. Um, And, you know, there are some people that believe that the stars and planets, there are slight influences um, upon the earth due to particular constellational alignments. So I I just thought that that was interesting that they were going to do it, uh, release a vaccine with science with, you know, something from astrology, but uh, that's, that's what they're going to do. See, I can understand why the media and doctors who are paid opinion creators and these, you know, media outlets because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. I mean, these, yes. these, these companies are responsible for the majority of the advertising budget to keep those lights on. But when you hear most people outside in social gatherings, and I even, if I even mention, oh, have you heard from doctor and doctor this or that who says that hydroxychloroquine or what I just mentioned or MMS or or anticoagulants, they look at you, it's almost like you hack them. It's almost like you touch them with electricity. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the facts. They just want to go to TV and that is my source of information. If CNN or even Fox or the rest of them, if they don't say it, it must not be true. So please shut up. Don't tell me how I should handle my life because you don't know anything. And when I hear that, I think if this is a future where you cannot have a different opinion, where you cannot think for yourself, use a rational mind to question everything, where is the world going to then? It's going to the one world global fascist system where uh, you're just a node in that system and you're not allowed to have any opinion. You have to go with the flow. And 90% of the population is fine with that. So one of the statistics that we learned where I worked was that 3% of people will do something all the time or consistently. 7% of people will do something once or twice, like write their congressman or something like that, Uh, have a little bit of food and water on hand, learn about maybe some alternative herbs or, you know, to treat 
something, but 90% of people will do nothing, even if it means their death and the death of their loved ones. So are you saying that some of these people are so programmed to the point that their paradigm cannot change? And if it means some of their loved ones have to die, they're okay with it? 97% of the population. And I have tested it for decades uh, against many different situations. And it's always the same. There's just 3% of people that are awake and open and listening and then willing to act on what they're hearing or seeing. And this is the thing with vaccines. You know, I, I want to say I'm anti-vaxxer, but I'm more anti-informed consent. If you told me that you can guarantee the safety of your loved ones and that they are going to be 100% effective, I might consider it. But I know better right now. And when you ask the doctor, can you guarantee safety? They don't even know what to answer because there are no safety studies. So when you ask a a doctor, I know many doctors, and I ask that question, when they say you have to vaccinate, you cannot have your child go to school without a vaccination because other children are going to be, and you say the whole thing, if my vaccinated child, you know, if, if vaccine is supposedly effective, how is my unvaccinated child a threat to your vaccinated child? And they pull out all these, you know, the rhetoric, scientific mumbo jumbo to try to convince you. And my mind says, no, I just don't get it. So these are the people that are the biggest threat to all. They don't care that it doesn't have a safety study behind it. I mean, if you and I drive in our car right now and the brakes fail or, or, or something fails, immediately what do we get? A recall. What happens to vaccines? They get this kangaroo court that has a couple of billion dollars that drop in the bucket to pay people so they can shut up and go away, sign a non-disclosure agreement, and, and that's it. But why don't people question? Why do people just put stuff in their bodies when your body has, you know, orifices for specific reasons, your mouth, your ears, your nose, you know, to inject something in the bloodstream that you cannot get rid of? You don't question that. I, there is this built-in trust. Just like people trust the government, they also trust the medical profession. And it's unjustified. They really shouldn't trust. I mean, we should be able to have really frank talks with our, our doctors. But the bottom line with our doctors is their certificate is on the line and they are being told now. Um, it's not like the old days of Marcus Welby, where you go to your doctor and your medical is between you and your doctor. And he's got your best interest because he knows you and all of that. He is being, or he or she, is being told how to treat you. And they their license is on the line. If they don't treat you the way they've been told to treat you, then they can lose their license. So, um, of course, there wasn't like this big sign, like when you go into the doctor's office, oh, we've changed our policy. Now we have to, you know, the, it's actually the government that's um, diagnosing you and treating you. It, I'm just like the middleman, um, your doctor. Uh, nobody was informed about that. So they still think that we live in this 1950s Marcus Welby family doctor type situation, and we don't. We, we don't. Um, there was, with Operation Paperclip, a lot of medical experiments that came and crept into our medical system. And now with this global fascism, really the United Nations is calling the shots with their sustainable goals on how to treat uh, patients. For instance, there is the Terrestrial Animal Health Code, which is a 1,500-page code of how to manage the animals of the planet. And in the, in the glossary, a human is an animal. And they have another uh, companion document that's also 1,500 pages, and it's Diagnostics and Vaccinations. So it's basically the United Nations that gives the mandate and then it goes to the federal government and then down to the different states and then to your doctor. I love having these conversations with doctors because 
you know, they think that I'm against doctors and absolutely I'm not. I am just, I want to question why is it that they be, behave almost like they're like a legalized drug dealers? They cannot just say, by the way, this medication, it, uh, what's the word I want to use when they interact? The interaction yes. between medication. A lot of times they give you one and you have another, you go to the oncologist and they give you one. You go to another doctor and they give you another one. But they don't talk to each other to say, you know, what else you're taking. They're supposed to, but some don't. And according, and this is not me, according to, to a recent study by Johns Hopkins, they, the institution that has all the COVID-19 counts, they say, check this out, folks, 440,000 people per year die from preventable medical error. And in 2016, 241,444 people died from medical errors, rendering or declaring medical error the third leading cause of death. So when people say defund the police, I say to them, okay, so you have a few bad apples. You have a few bad apples everywhere. Lawyers, attorneys, engineers, you know, a building, you know, uh, breaks down and, and, you know, and, and collapses because an engineer, you're going to just immediately defund all engineers, architects, uh, doctors? Should we do the same thing with doctors? Because it's the third leading cause of death. Why isn't everybody saying let's defund hospitals? It's ridiculous that we say that, but it happens. Well, I think we are actually going to see the day where hospitals and doctors are defunded. Um, we are almost there. Uh they're being used right now in this transition period, but in a post-human medicine, it, they want it to be pretty much robotic, and there will not be medications um, in the future. It is going to be frequency-based, and if you did have to have a surgery for, like, you know, you, you need a joint replacement or something, a robot is going to be doing the surgery uh, there's a lot of YouTubes you can look at them and see you know they're already filling the position of surgeons so it's not going to be too much longer um, where your family doctor is out I think we're seeing that step with the with the uh, telemedicine you know where you just kind of do what we're doing right now you talk to your doctor via your computer or your phone and you don't ever see your doctor. And then he just, you know, and then the next step is that it's you're not talking to a doctor, you're talking to artificial intelligence. Um, and they thought AI will make your, your diagnosis and, and give you whatever uh, treatment that you're going to have. I have a couple more points to discuss before we take a break, because I want to really discuss the future, what you just said, the AI, the future in which, if you're looking to be an attorney in the future, folks, really think again. Because if the laws are all in a database, they might just use paralegals and the rest of it is going to be, you know, instead of research, you're going to just put it in the computer and the system will decide and judges might be computers in the future. I mean, some people say that in the future, governments might be AI to make decisions that humans cannot make. But a couple of things. I was just uh, having a conversation with G. Edward Griffin uh, during the time that you and I talked. And he says that we have to distill these words, socialism, communism, capitalism, all the isms into two words, collectivism versus individualism, the greater good versus the individual, the Borg, the hive mind, the golem, AI, global brain, the federation, fill in the blanks. That seems to be the goal, Celeste. And could that global brain be Google? It could be. It could be. I mean, we're feeding it right now. And we're actually bringing this animating, in, the, in biblical terms, we're animating the beast um, that will destroy us, basically. And, you know, when I think of Silicon Valley, I think of... You know, do you really think these tech companies would have been allowed to thrive? You know, I remember 1994 when when the Netscape was around and, and the internet was just uh, crawling in diapers. And now look at how it, it has become. Do you really think these tech companies would have been allowed to thrive and their ridiculous trillion-dollar valuations based on their speculative stock prices, which are divorced from their true fundamentals? 
Do you think they would have been conceived in a non-capitalist environment? And if the answer is no, then they're paving the way to their own demise. But I want to get your answer on the other side about that because it seems that what's coming is a communist tech tyranny. How can people learn more about your work and uh, your books and so on? So they they can go to shepherdsheart.life um, and I have my books there. Or you could support my work at um, Shepherd's Heart Farm and that's at patreon.com. Great. Folks, don't go anywhere. An unexpected but very welcoming visit from Celeste Soloma. This is Mel Fabricus and you are listening to Veritas. Much more in the member section. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas, because you don't want to believe. You want to know.